Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 70. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. I'm joined again by my co-host, Brian Snedeker of Next Step Test Prep. He's the main man of MCAT content over there at Next Step Test Prep. And today, we're going to talk all about chemistry questions. All right, Brian, it's been a little while since we've done some chemistry discrete questions, which we'll cover today. Last week, we did some physics and got people thinking about us in the shower for some reason. And then uh, the week before that, we covered some good psychosis, which I rocked. So hopefully I will do just as well with chemistry. Starting off here, question 10. Again, if you want to follow along, go to themcatpodcast.com, download the, the handouts for this episode. Uh, question 10. At pH 7.3, what is the bond order of the shortest bond to oxygen in glycine? And this looks like something that has to be memorized, so I don't remember at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few a few parts of memorization, um, although it's application as well, right? You have to put all these facts together. Very typical for the MCAT. Uh, so first, pH 7.3. Listeners should definitely recognize that pH because at about pH 7.3 or 7.35, uh, Ryan, do you know what that pH represents? Um, that's our body's pH, right? Neutral mm-hmm. kind of pH for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's physiological pH, P- right? That's yep. the name, yep. <laughs> yep. Physiological pH. So now glycine is an amino acid. So the thing that students are going to have to remember is that at physiological pH, amino acids exist as zwitter ions. So the amino part is uh, positively charged, NH3+, and the acid part is negatively charged, COO-. And so that that's the kind of memorization side of it. And then you, you just have to apply what you know about resonance structures. So the acid part of an amino acid is usually drawn as carbon double bonded to oxygen with another bond, a single bond, to an O minus. Uh, and the, the the potential trap here is just immediately picking two that the shortest and strongest bond is a double bond, C double bond O. But we want to remember that that COO minus exists as a resonance structure. So it's um, the single bond and the double bond are actually in resonance with each other. So the bond order is actually 1.5. Uh, and in fact, uh, that that's the only bonds between carbon and oxygen and glycine. So 1.5 would have to be the right answer, whether they asked for shortest, longest, whatever. When you're doing the amino acids and you're you're trying to memorize them and and draw them 
should you draw this Zwitter ion formation as well? Um, you mean when solving this question or when doing your studying before? When, when studying, and because amino acids are such a, a big part of the test and you have to memorize a bunch of different things about the amino acid and, and know what they look like, should you draw these different forms of the amino acid as well? It's you, you t what you typically do with flashcards and study sheets and so on for amino acids is draw them at physiological pH. Um, but in the end, actually, all that really matters is consistency. As long as you're studying it the same way every time and know the underlying principles, you'll be okay. Okay. All right, let's take a look at the next question here. No, question number 30. Commercial preparations of the compound captopril requires that it be separated from its enantiomer, as shown below, and then we're given the stick and wedge and dash diagram for the molecule. Which of the following techniques would best accomplish this? So commercial preparations require that it be separated from its enantiomer. How are you going to do that? Fractional distillation, thin layer chromatography, chiral resolution, recrystallization. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know what captopril is. Um, it's a good ACE inhibitor. Um, re recrystallization D sounds like something from Breaking Bad making meth. Other than that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, these, these are just lab techniques. Very, very important for the MCAT. Everyone's MCAT is sooner or later going to have some questions about lab techniques. Um, so you have to know what how all of these separate various molecules. So fractional distillation is based on boiling point, like all distillation. Uh, thin layer chromatography is based on polarity, whether something likes to stick to the stationary phase or move along with the mobile phase. Chiral resolution. Uh, the listeners may rec remember chiral carbons. Uh, so that has something to do with isomers, resolving, meaning you know pulling them apart. Uh, and recrystallization has to do with solubility, whether something crystallizes at the bottom of the beaker or stays dissolved. In this case, because we're trying to separate enantiomers, and enantiomers are a particular kind of isomer, chiral resolution is how you would separate them. So that's a, a straight-up memorization of the lab technique. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, catching the word enantiomer in the question and then knowing what each of these lab techniques do. Okay. All right, question 57. Which of the following is not a characteristic of an ideal gas? So not a characteristic. A, the average kinetic en energy of the gas sample depends on the mass of the molecules. B, collisions between gas molecules are elastic. C, there are no attractive and repulsive forces between gas molecules. And D, gas particles have a volume of zero. So I don't remember anything about ideal gases. Um, but if I were to throw out a guess, I, I like guessing so people can hear my mm -hmm. thought process. Um, gas and a volume of zero just sounds a little weird to me. So I would pick that one mm -hmm. yeah ga gases certainly have volumes although d is an assumption of an ideal gas so that you assume that the molecules themselves have no size and so when the gas is filling up the balloon or the beaker all of that space is just filled with the space between the molecules um and and in this case, yeah, yeah, ideal gas, you know, the ideal gas law just has some basic assumptions. And in this case, answer choices B, C, and D are three of the big classic assumptions that 
Um, the gas molecules have no forces on each other, either attractive or repulsive. They take up no size, uh, and any collisions are perfectly elastic. Uh, you know, the ideal gas law kind of assumes that gas particles are these perfectly spherical little ping pong balls bouncing around inside the container, bouncing off each other perfectly elastically. Uh, and the, the ping pong balls themselves take up no space. Uh, makes all these kind of, you know, a little silly but useful assumptions about the gas molecules themselves. So in this one, if you weren't sure about this thing about kinetic energy, if you couldn't remember the equation for that, you could just set answer choice A aside for a moment, check all the others and see that those are all ideal gas assumptions. Uh, and then you come back and A is the right answer. I wonder if flat earthers are also flat particlers too. <laughs> They're <laughs> ideal, ideal gassers. <laughs> What weather is a conspiracy because all the atmosphere is ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, so ideal gas. Good to know all of those properties as well. All right. There you have it. More chemistry or chemistry discrete questions. I hope that was helpful for you. Next week, we're going to talk about biology. If that's a section that is haunting you, come check us out next week for awesome information. More awesome information. I would love for you to share this podcast with your friends, your classmates, your mom, your dad, whoever. Go share it. Go uh, share it on social media, wherever. I want you to go check out Next Step Test Prep's MCAT course. Now, Next Step is, has been known for their one-on-one -on -one tutoring. Hands down, best tutoring out there for the money. If you are looking for a course and can't either can't afford the one-on-one -on -one tutoring or you want more of that quote-unquote, classroom environment where you're kind of doing it at your own pace and you don't want to be held accountable to a tutor, go check out Next Step Test Prep's online course. 100 hours of videos, a custom MCAT scheduling generator. So you plug in all the information and their tool will give you the schedule that you need to maximize your score. If you miss a day, that's okay. You just rearrange and drag and drop and, and make sure that the schedule works for your schedule. You get live office hours every week, something that the other companies don't do. You get, you get to talk to these tutors that are doing an amazing job helping students prepare the best for the MCAT. So go check it out, nextstepmcat.com. Use the promo code MCATPOD, that's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, to save some money. Again, next week, we're gonna talk about biology, doing biology questions. So check us out again next week share this podcast with your friends. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast.